Welcome to another all new episode of Formula RPG. I'm your host, Brendan. I'm your host, Matt. And today we are joined by Amanda once again. How you doing, Amanda? I'm good. I, I don't know. You should rage at him for getting your title. It's, I know. <laughs> it's the been Warlord Amanda. The <laughs> Warlord Amanda joins us one more time. It has been too long, Amanda. We have been um, kind of, you know, scrambling to kind of get some st- shit together. They and don't love me anymore. Oh, that is just not true. <laughs> that is just not true. I certainly hope you don't actually think that. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so uh, what are we talking about today, guys? Art. Uh, yeah, art. Art. And then, you know, I think also some gaming that we're doing. Like sure. That kind of stuff. Why don't we go ahead and start off with that? What have we, what have we been up to lately? Ben? Oh, man. What are you up to, dude? I've been getting back into magic again. It's been uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it's never... You're never gone from it long, are you? Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know... I. For those who don't know, I've played Magic off and on for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I started when I was like in high school. Uh, actually, I started right before high school in like 1994 or something like that. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I quit like at the end of high school essentially, and um, you know, 98 for me. And uh, you know, I went through some periods where I, I had some old cards, and then I, I I sold some old cards to pay some rent at one point, and for like you know incredibly low prices. And so a lot of that stuff I used to have, I no longer have. But um, but then I got back into the game uh, during Onslaught Block with Legend with uh, Legions. And, I can't uh, believe you remember the name of that set. I mean, I remember when he got back in. And he, we were all going to do like a chill out magic thing, and he like shows up at the apartment that we were at, like this. A couple of us guys were like were like living in with all these kicker cards. He's like, oh, I got this new ability called Kicker." And we were like, "What the fuck?" Because I'm like <laughs> playing with like plague rats and yeah. like Lord of the Pit. We, he, we had he's got kicker some, costs. That since it was onslaught block, they'd had some old like invasion stuff. So I picked up like a couple <laughs> random invasion like starter decks or whatever. And, like, I don't even know what the fuck up. he's talking about. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, Legions. What what actually attracted me to Legions was the fact that it was kind of a novel idea. It was the first set that was like all creatures. So and, and the only set I think at this point that was all creatures, uh, which which I thought was a really interesting interesting idea. Yeah, because fuck instants and all that shit. <laughs> I like creatures. Uh, yeah, creatures are pretty fun. Um, so anyway, that's what got me back into magic, and I've been playing off and on since then. Um, you know, and I play, I play, you know, fairly competitively. I go to GPS, and I've been played on the Pro Tour, like, you know, um, and uh, I just took a break for a while, and I didn't really like the standard environment that there was, and I'm coming back, and uh, that's what I've been doing for Innistrad. For Innistrad, yep. Innistrad, the first time around was a lot of fun, and this time around it seems pretty fun. And uh, I just, uh, a couple weekends ago, went to uh, Albuquerque and played GP Albuquerque. Um, yeah, so that's what's been taking up a decent portion of my gaming time. And what about you, Amanda? What you got? Well, at the risk of losing my Warlord status, uh oh, I, uh, I actually have been spending quite a bit of time on this uh, silly little farming game called Stardew Valley. <laughs> Wait, is that like one of those ones where you just like you like endlessly grind to build your farm and you get like grow a, the perfect pumpkin or you whatever? Like a pig. Like, yep, and eventually you get to marry one of the villagers and have yeah. a kid. And does it have an end, or does it just keep going and going? It keeps going and going as long as you want. Is it like one of those ones that's like online? It's on like Facebook or something? No, it's on uh, Steam. Is what I'm playing oh, it on. Oh, okay, but it's not <laughs> on. It's not like a Facebook game. No, it's not a Facebook game. 
Um, All right. I think they might be coming out with an app to put it on a phone, but it is actually a <laughs> Steam game. So okay, is it one, one so of those it is. He developed Steam games or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's uh, so it's if you you might remember Harvest Moon. I was about to say, is this it's, Harvest Moon? It is <laughs> totally like Harvest Moon. Oh man. <coughs> Which I loved Harvest Moon too. I sh- I still don't get the attraction. This is me, but. <laughs> yeah, it's. You know, I couldn't even explain it. It's like, hey. You, you tried to explain it to me before, I, I, I think. Can, I can plant stuff. And, but maybe it's because it's a life I know I'll never have in real life. <laughs> because there's no way in hell you could ever get me to be a farmer. Or <laughs> probably even on a farm. Or, you know, <laughs> near, near a, a cow. You know? To renounce your so, ways of blood bloodshed. I, it, yeah, it'd be like, you want me to do what? I, Where, I, where's the computer? Huh? I like. I, I always liked the idea of Harvest Moon because it's a building game. It's about building stuff. You know, it's kind of like SimCity. You start out with like nothing, and then you start got to build it up. You know, and like you can at the end, you can kind of look at your empire that you've created or whatever. SimCity also. I mean, we're talking about like old school SimCity, not this new weird shit, but like the original SimCity that, that had no end either. You just are constantly managing the city. You know, so I I I, I, I kind of get it. The kind of like little overly big anime head guy aesthetic. Are those in there? Actually, what are those called? Are those called chibis or something? Chibis, Is yeah. that a real thing that this I know one, about? This one, though, I think is all uh, done in 16-bit. So it's kind of got that old school feel. Like retro, retro yeah. feel. I, dude, I love that. <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, I think they're doing a lot of those weird like Steam indie games like that, right? Where they're trying to sort of like, sort of like coming back around. Yeah. I don't yeah. yeah I don't know man I never um have um been one of those guys who loves graphics like I mean I guess when I was like a little kid you know like uh, graphics but like at a certain point it just I just realized that like graphics do not equal fun you know like no, you want a, your game to be fun it's like a you know I've had this discussion multiple times I think I mean to relate it to another industry it's like uh like like uh computer computer generated effects versus practical effects yeah and how much we both way more appreciate practical effects it's true it's true yeah it's it just looks better in the long run i think it feels better i don't know like heather was playing this new batman game and it's not really new anymore she got it kind of on the late side because she didn't want people full price for it so it's like batman arkham knight or some shit it's like the the last one or whatever anyway there's this huge like mechanic in it where you drive around the batmobile like they made the Batmobile like integral to the story in this game, and it is so relentlessly unfun. It is just like <laughs> it's like the least fun thing. You're just like you're careening all over Gotham City at like 90 miles an hour. It's like it's like super fidgety in the way that it's controlled. Very fine. You gotta have like steady fucking hands. You gotta like put practice into learning how to drive the fucking Batmobile, or else I mean because the streets are so thin, you'll just destroy everything. You'll never catch anybody. And it's just like, wow, that's just not, I'm not interested in that at all. I'm not interested in that at all. And in the meantime, the game looks super beautiful. But, like, she she loved those other Batman games. And she's played that thing for, she played that thing for like a couple hours and then put it aside. Because it's like, it's like, yo, where's the fun? You know? Well, it's like it's like a comic book that's got beautiful art and crappy story. Oh, yeah, you right. Know? It's like, the 90s. You, you, <laughs> you buy it. You might buy issue one because it looks so pretty, but you're not going to buy issue two because right. the story was crap. <laughs> right, right. 
When you said beautiful art, you were thinking Rob Liefeld, right? Yeah, oh, I was like thinking gosh. like how many veins can you get on a neck? That's really my. I, I was thinking how many fingers blah, on every hand, but yeah, same difference. <laughs> Do you have ankles or wrists? No, <laughs> not to be a superhero. You don't need that shit. <laughs> Let's see. For my gaming, I've been I have been on super chill mode. I've just been doing this like low key, slow burn, like no one, no steady players, just kind of like show up when you want to vampire game for requiem and that's going pretty well that's that's coming up saturday i'm looking forward to the next time we do it on saturday I think yeah it's gonna be a blast session three looking that's forward if to I'm that i'm not in traffic court we'll see right well i mean we play at night that's you true. be in traffic court at night but i i don't know how those things work i think you do them online now and i just i've never, just never done one. i've been in traffic court their traffic school since i was like well just uh, like what like 20 or 20 something right. i think what did yeah. you do oh <laughs> yeah. speeding on the way to albuquerque i got pulled over twice Nice. So just, just, you know, like arrange your day in such a fashion that like, I think we start at 630. So, um, yeah, no, I'll try to, I guess I definitely want to, I just, I certainly don't want to go to JS Snowflake, wherever the hell that is to like settle it like in person. (laughs) That sounds miserable. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Um, all right. So we decided we want to talk about, um, one of my personal favorite subjects, which is uh, the art that you find inside of role-playing books. Like to me, <coughs> when we're sitting here, it's it's interesting how we have just segued so effortlessly into this. Like, obviously, the art isn't everything, right? You can have a beautiful role-playing book in front of you, and have the rules be crap, and the idea is not original, and um, it's not fun. Nobody wants to play it. You know, it looks gorgeous, but it's not a fully thought out, realized game. So art's not everything. But the art is something. Because I think that a role-playing book that you open up that either has no art at all or that has bad art is just as bad as buying a shitty game. You know what I'm saying? Like I like if I'm reading a role playing game and it's just like a bunch of tables and rules about shit, but it doesn't have art that kind of like puts me into the headspace that I am supposed to occupy, um, that the game developer wants me to occupy while I'm playing the game. That I'm just like because I mean so much of this is about like creating imagery, right? And that and that and having a visual sample of what the game developer thought I should be thinking about while I'm running the game is very important. And I think that some of our, um, the way that us in particular and Adam from Shadowsworn have beefed about certain games can kind of be traced back to their art direction because it's almost like they're saying they're changing the course of the game with the images that they show us. Anyway, thoughts, thoughts, elaborate. React to me. I I agree. The art is, it's important. Because if you don't have it there, it makes the book dry. I mean, even if it's something that you're really into and you were really excited to get, eventually it's just like a textbook. It's just a whole bunch of words and you're just like, oh my gosh, they start swimming before your eyes. And it it just makes it dry no matter what. And if it's bad art... It's slightly better, but 
I don't know. After seeing books with good art, if you get one, there was a book for D and D, Oriental something. Oriental Adventures. <laughs> yeah, that might have been it. And when I heard it was coming out, I was so excited. I was like, "Oh wow!" You know, it's going to have all this new Oriental theme stuff and mm-hmm. weapons, and and the art in it was just not very good. And I remember I was so disappointed. That was in the three point five days, right? Yes. I remember this. I remember you being despondent about this. And and I was just like, eh. Okay, I got it. Eh. Because I was, part of the excitement was to see what gorgeous, you know, Oriental-inspired art was going to be in there. And then it was just like... Yeah, you want you want to see how they had reimagined the thought space that Dungeons & Dragons was supposed to occupy in this, like, Asian sort of themed idea, right? Yeah. And, and I, then, I remember that book coming out. I, th- I think it had really low production values, right? Because I, I remember it just being very bland. It was very bland. Very, very. The best part was the had cover. bland cover, too, like still, though. Yeah, the, well, the cover was mostly tans also. Mm-hmm. But, but that was like prob- the best wor- artwork in the whole thing because the artwork inside was was just awful. It was boring. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I necessarily... Um, worry too much about the art inside of role-playing books. I think that for me, um, the thing that... I, I will say that there has been role-playing art that has like made a big impression on me. I don't know uh, if I would have ever necessarily ended up playing um, Vampire if it wasn't for the art of Bradstreet. Okay. Um, those like clan book covers made a huge, huge impression on me. A lot of the oh in- yeah the interior art that he did too on those things. I mean, it just it sold me on like a vision for what that game was about. That um, I was definitely into in the nineties. Right, because especially when you pick up the Vampire the Second Edition core book, right? Say it's like nineteen ninety four or whatever, and you're a teenage kid and you're like trying to find a, a new role playing game. Mm-hmm. And you pick up that vampire core book, and that thing is radically fucking different than anything you've ever seen in your entire life. Because 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 everything else that's out right then is like um, is like uh uh D second, you know, yep. Shadowrun, which is dark but still kind of fantasy, you know. Um, there's some other horror games, but they don't have, they have they have more illustration and less art. You know what I'm saying? Like the book, like the second edition fantasy book. Second edition, second edition, um, rec- uh, ugh. second edition masquerade. That the this shit has art in it. It has art, you know. Yeah, it moves and, your soul. And well, I mean, it certainly moved me towards playing the game. Hell I yeah! I mean, that I think that it made a huge impression on me. And and I'll say that even even on the subsequent editions, when we had the Van Fleet art instead of like the Bradstreet art on the clan books. Yeah, the clan books and stuff. I I enjoyed that as well. Um, I felt like it was it was a different direction rather than this sort of like. 90s idealized like goth kind of aesthetic but more like a a a sort of like dark fantastical aesthetic that uh, was present in those pictures so i think that with vampire art in particular you can't underestimate the romance that goes into it because vampire the as a mythological creature in the American slash worldwide novel tradition, it's a permutation of the romance genre. And so there has to be something kind of romantic about those vampires. They have to be look kind of sexy and they have to look kind of, they have to, they they obviously have to have something going on other than the fact that they have guns and stuff. 
which a lot of role-playing art definitely seems to kind of boil down to like, well, I got weapons and I'm killing something, you know? Yeah. I definitely see that. Um, I I also think one of the... the and, and I know I've mentioned this before on our podcast, but I think that one of the other things that made a big impression on me as a young role player books or young, young, young role player uh, specifically in terms of like internal art was like the layout and how they did all the Chromebooks. So, you know, like, uh, yeah. Like all the art was like, it was a marketing advertisement for you to buy like stuff that existed in this game. And um, I know it really put you in an interesting headspace when you were reading those, you know, it, it, it made you, I don't know it, to me anyway, it always, Always made me feel more like, uh, more like, like it legitimized that world on some level. Sure, sure, I feel you. Now I see Amanda that you have a list of notes. Did you bring? <laughs> Amanda's Amanda's a very organized guest, and we really need to be doing this more. Like in emulation of Amanda's organization, I've written down some notes as well of some particular artists that have done particular work that has that has uh, inspired me. So. Uh, Ben, do you have a list? I do not have a list. Oh, get the fuck out. Hey, I mentioned Bradstreet yeah. and Van oh, Fleet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two awesome artists. Indeed, indeed. Um, Amanda, you want to, you wanna, what's the first one? What's your, what's, what, what, what are you dying to talk about on that list there? Um, well, probably one of my absolute favorite images was the cover to the Dragonomicon. Uh, the D and D Dragonomicon. Oh, the three point five one. The three point five. Yeah, uh, can you guys that was memory? great. That it's it's um, it actually ends up being a wraparound cover, but the front is a it's a like a big red dragon in its cave. And there's some like eggshells, cracked eggshells, and there's a like way off in the corner you can barely see it on the cover. There's um like small a baby dragon, but the whole image the wraparound is is there's another dragon that's like. The mate coming in, it's got a horse in its mouth to like feed the okay. the babies, and just the way it was, it was done. That image, I just loved that image. I started that campaign I did with um, where I wanted you guys to get all high level. Yeah, that ended up with being Heather, you know, flame striking everything. Yeah, that image is actually what started that campaign. Was because I saw that book was coming out, and I was like, oh my god. I just fell in love with it. Uh, yeah. It's done by Todd Lockwood, I believe his name was. But, yeah, Todd Lockwood. That image was just gorgeous to me. The way yeah. it was done, the what it conveyed, the whole, hey, dragons have families too kind of thought. Um, that, I, I'm glad that you reminded me of that one because that was from an era of uh, the 3.5 era of D&D and where I think that the art direction was like sublime i mean they were the 3.0 era of uh of D was kind of a little bit like <laughs> um but then something happened in 3.5 and they started putting out these incredible books and dragonomicon was one of them where they did a they did a series they did a series uh dragonomicon uh libris mortis uh lords of madness that were about specific types of creatures within the world and devoted entirely to them. And rather than like giving it the same kind of cookie cutter covers, they had these really just awesome um, front cover illustrations. The one that you're talking about in particular has this very kind of like 
oil painting kind of look to it. It is actually an oil painting. Is it? Yes. Oh, oh wow. wonderful. <laughs> have you have you have you heard that? Oh yeah, you can you can buy prints of it uh, on his website. Oh wow. You see, that's one of the things that I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to a point that I like to be labor on this show, which is that like so much stuff is done digitally now and it does not look right. It does not have that same depth or richness. That's very true. Um, so much stuff is digital, and they're like, "Oh, you can't tell," but you kind of can. You kind of can. Uh, you know, uh, especially I mean, if it's done really, really well, and the person doing it like really takes care and stuff, then then it's really hard to tell. Sure. But a lot of people don't nowadays, and you can you can tell. You just can. I think that digital art kind of is known for being fast. Yeah, and that's so that's the whole reason. It's all right. about cranking it out and getting the money. And and I think it shows in the work because you just don't see um, images with the attention to, to detail like you did on, on the Dragonomicon. And, 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 and that, that dragon looks utterly majestic on that cover. You're just like you're just completely like taken by the power of the being when you look at it. So good call. Good call on that one. Um Ben Ben has already kind of broken the ice on old Tim Bradstreet, but I, I, I feel like he. We should probably have a little bit of a round table on him. I think, I think on some level, um, you know what? I, I have a Tim Bradstreet story. Go lay it on. Oh, oh, is this a Comic Con story? Uh, yeah, actually. I, go, I, I go ahead. Story, I think. Go. Well, so this was actually there was a little Phoenix Con here that has grown. It's grown. It's big now. But when it first started, it was this dinky, tiny little piece of poop that was. <laughs> <gasps> super super small um and i had been going to the san diego con for yeah. years and years and years which is now just it's just over bloated and and disgustingly huge but when back when it was this story happened it was still really big um and so there was going to be a phoenix con here and me and my mom were like well you know let's let's check it out you know let's see let's see what it, what it's like i think it was like the second year they had it here Something like that. Second or third, really early. Um, at that point, I had played vampire. My mom had never played vampire. She had no idea who Tim Bradstreet was. Uh, we went to this con. We got, you know, the passes for the whole weekend. It took us, like, one day to walk through the whole thing. It was so <laughs> yeah. small. Yeah. But, um, you know, we split up, and, and we're, I'm just walking around, and she comes up to me, and she's like, oh, hey guess what you know i'm like what she's like i got this cool print and she shows me this picture and it's tim bradstreet and i'm like well where'd you get this you know mm -hmm. she's like oh this the artist he's over there he's got a booth i'm like what <laughs> tim bradstreet's here at at this <laughs> totally shocked i'm like show me show me this right and the picture she bought was a, a image he did of hellblazer Oh, she, those John Constantine images yeah, he was doing for a while. Covers, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that shit. And she loves John Constantine. So she like drags me over to this little table where there he is, <laughs> this like totally bland. Like nowadays you go to a con and they've got all these pictures yeah. and, you know, they practically have neon lights and just him at a table with a little sign that says Tim Bradstreet. <laughs> like that's it. And I'm like, it's Tim Bradstreet. Oh my God. Now I had heard that he was like a big dick. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I, 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 
without trying to, you know, run anybody down, that is also what I've heard. I've heard that he's hard to get along with, but I mean, I don't know. I've never met him. I don't know the man. He was fine. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, maybe it was because I had my sweet little old mama who just bought something. No problems. Nice as pie. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm glad you like your print, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was great. I was like, oh. That's the nicest dick was I've he, ever met. Was he yeah. repping the vampire shit at that point or <laughs> he, what? He did. He, he had some vampire prints there too. So, you know, I was just like, whoa, it's Tim Bradstreet. Because he, yeah. he was also, he's also known for those Punisher covers. Those kind of, he, this his, was before the Punisher covers. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So okay. he, had, he had Constantine stuff and he had some vampire stuff and then just some other like random stuff. I don't know if it was from something that I don't know about, but yeah. Um. His his style is kind of like straddles the um the border between like graphic illustration and um photorealism, right? Like he he like his he, I think that he uses he takes a lot of pictures and then I think he works from the pictures that he takes. I think that he might use a light board and do some tracing, but I think that he, you know, he takes the pictures so it's not like he's just ripping anybody off. And the <coughs> super mood-evoking, like, imagery that he creates. I mean, his stuff is super dark, and he's kind of made a career out of doing dark material, right? He's, he's one of those artists that does light really well. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he knows his light. He knows his chiaroscuro. And he, <laughs> and, he has, and he has some moments kind of in, like, the early 2000s, late 90s, where he was kind of, like, phoning it in and wasn't trying so hard, and they looked, they looked kind of crummy. He's gone, <laughs> he's gone through some phases where you're like, come on, man, like, pull it together, you know? And he's come back around, so that like the what he's doing now is also really good. It's also it's it. I I don't think that it has quite the soul that it did in like say you know um, second edition Masquerade um, and then the first edition Clan Book era, but um, it's still really good. Like he did, he did all the clan art f- for the um, for the big splat pages, splash pages rather, um, for uh, Lore of the Clans and the. Uh, Masquerade twentieth anniversary, and those are really good. Those are imagination invoking, you know. I I remember the first piece of his I ever saw was actually in Shadowrun first edition, because I didn't know it at the time. Once I had gotten all bonkers for Brad Street with uh, um, Masquerade, I went back to some of my other role playing books because I mean. You know, when you're very young, one of the ways that you learn how to draw and learn how to do whatever you do is by emulating others. So I used to sit around and redraw Bradstreet images, just, you know, like with the image sitting on my left and I would draw it on the right. Um, and I was so into redrawing Bradstreet, I was like, well, maybe I can learn from some other role-playing guys. So I was looking through my Shadowrun book and I actually found... More Bradstreet, <laughs> I then copied out of, out of those. So, so he 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 had a pedigree by the time he got to second edition already. Mm, I didn't know that. Um, I think second edition was sort of the first time I noticed him. Yeah, I mean that was his breakout work. I mean that's his that's that's his seminal work at this point. I, I mean I think his I think his career is like largely owed to Vampire the Masquerade those, second edition. Those clan book covers are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Who has a favorite? Favorites. Oh. Favorite oh. Bradstreet or Clan Book cover? Favorite. Well, uh, both. I've always been a fan of the Asimite, uh Clan Book cover by Van Fleet. The Van Fleet one. That I just, I just really like it. I yeah, really. 
Yeah. Um, there's just something about it. It kind of, there's an elegance to it that I really like. Mm. There, are, there are definitely ones I like more than others in terms of Bradstreet's, right? Like, I'm pretty partial to the Sedite one. I'm pretty partial to the Zimacy one. And I'm also pretty partial to the um, Nosferatu one. Oh, yeah, those are all good. Yeah. Um, those are all clan books that I had back in their first edition. Yeah, form. I did too. Um, the, as far as Van Fleet goes, I don't know that I have a favorite. I remember liking just about all of his. I don't think I was ever as fanatical about them, though, as I was about the Bradstreet ones. I, I, I don't think... I don't know, man. I mean, this is, of course, a matter of opinion, but I think it's really hard to get as fanatical about them because I don't think that they really speak in the way that the... That the um, that the Bradstreet ones did because because Bradstreet stuff was like so dark and gritty and raw and like it was just it was unlike any other game you'd ever seen and it, it communicated that world in a way that nobody had seen up until that point. Another thing that I think is kind of interesting about the way he did those covers and I don't know if he did that in our direction or if this is just his innovation. But the gender split is very close to even on those original clan book covers. I've never actually looked at that. But um, I mean, but if you think back to 1994, like where were you going to see that? You know, yeah. the Sedite cover is 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 a is a female of color. You know, and that's like, you know, that's stuff that the like. Only now is role playing is the role playing industry kind of even like being aware of, which is like how do we create places for people of color and for for uh, genders other than other than male, you know? And so that art direction was so far ahead of that shit. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was like in my opinion like like forced or campy or anything like that. It was like a badass creature of the night that happened to yeah. be a person of color. You know, like, it was very natural. It was, it was very awesome. natural the way he did yeah. it. The way yeah. he did it. My personal favorite is the Zimacy clan book. It's a great like, one. It's so good. It, that That is one of the female ones. And I used to have a beef with it, but but not anymore. I, 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 had, I had a conversation with um, my role-playing mentor, Adam Norwood, back in the 90s about it, and he changed my mind because my first thought was, like, oh, what does this have to do with Zimacy? This, like, kind of hollow-eyed-looking chick standing here. It doesn't have anything to do with Zimacy. And he said, because I wanted to see some fucking Vicos-looking guy, you know, like, Ugh. And he was like, no, because there's these, there's, these, these, there's these film reels silhouetted in the background. He goes, he goes, it's trying to make you think of a snuff film. And I was like, whoa, that's rad. And now I think of that every time I look at it. Huh. And uh, and then when Van Fleet gave us Vicos looking like a th- a creature, you know, eh, it just left me cold. I think I think that was part of my problem with the Van Fleet covers is that they were like, like like the 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 the, the characters or the the people on the covers of all the Brad Bradstreet ones are just sort of like, they're just like like random guys who are meant to evoke something, you know. Yeah. And when you get to the Van Fleet covers, they're all like signature characters. They're all like signature characters from the time of signature characters. Yeah. Which, which like for me, I didn't really enjoy all that much. So. Well, I mean, this is what this is what I'm talking about. When I'm saying that like the art influences the game, which is you can see between second edition and third edition this movement in how the game is going to be written, and uh, in 
the first edition clan book, second edition game, which are, which are contemporaries of each other. The art direction is such that what they're trying to communicate is almost like a band cover, right? Like a, like a like a like an album cover. They want the the art to be like album cover art. They want it to feel kind of like underground and like you're going to a to a show or something. Like the characters that you're going to meet are real street level characters, right? By the time you get time, by the time you get to the third edition, which has the second edition clan books, everything's gone all like supernatural war, right? So you have these signature characters that are being kind of shoved down your throat, and they're being presented in this kind of much more fantastical way, you know, like with the shadows coming out of their fingers and uh, flesh crafted faces, and they're carrying shotguns and stuff, right? Are there even any guns on the front of the original, the original uh, uh, Brad Street ones? Because in his in his uh, V twenty stuff, there's some pictures of guns. I don't care for it. But I think in the original ones, there's no guns at all. I think it's just guys in like leather jackets looking kind of grumpy. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm trying to go through my head. And there's some I don't remember as well as others, I think. Yeah. But I can't recall any that had guns. Yeah. No. Anyway. Mm-mm. Anyway, so we've belabored, you know, Brad Street, we love you. We love you. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a giant among pygmies. I own so many shirts with Bradstreet images on them. I still own shirts with Bradstreet images uh, images on them. I love the guy. I love his art. Um, who's next on your list, oh. Amanda? <laughs> uh, Christopher Shy. Ah uh, uh, yes, ah <laughs> uh, yes, Christopher Shy. Go ahead. I was a, a really big fan of his stuff. Um, another really nice guy. I've met him a few times at, at Comic Con. Now he he did do digital stuff. But yeah, he I, transitioned into digital. I liked his his digital stuff because it wasn't like he was trying to hide it. It was like he was embracing right the fact that it was digital. Um, I just liked a lot of his images. He was on the front end of that transition from like heavy pen and ink work into digital, and he was um, doing I think what people now call photo manipulation sort of right yep and he and the way he did it especially in books like children of the night um gave it kind of a surreal unearthly dreamlike quality i think that's probably what i liked was the the dreamlike quality to his stuff yeah and while uh, while it kind of accentuated that fantastical element of the third edition that i think was like the sort of like the bane of the game I did love his art. I mean, I, the 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 character portraits in Children of the Night are just. I mean, I still use them. Like, I'll still like like if I need to know to show the characters or the players what the fucking NPC looks like, I'll go through there, and I totally go through there for um, inspiration all the time because I think it's a goddamn gorgeous book. His his uh, Montreal by Night. He did character portraits for all of that, and that's in his pen and ink work. And um, it's similar to Bradstreet's in a certain way, like the really heavy whites and the heavy blacks kind of overexposed. But um, I think that's also brilliant. I think that's like, of, of all the city books that they made for fucking World of Darkness, it's like by far the best one. I remember we had fun playing that game. <laughs> oh, while. God. Yeah, I forgot. You guys are both playing that game, didn't you? That's yeah. hilarious. I didn't even realize as I was saying those stupid words. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. What else, what else do you think about Christopher Shy? Anybody? He has very pretty eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he still in the game? Does he still do? Um, actually, he started a comic. The, the, the last that I saw was a comic that he had started. Um, it was very pretty. Mm-hmm. The writing was only okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't be a master of everything, right? Uh, he didn't write it. Well, he oh, might have okay. helped with the writing. Um, but he wasn't like sure. the credited writer or anything. No, there was another name on there. I don't remember the other name. <laughs> on on an episode of Shadow Sworn, Adam and I were talking because he and I, you know, we're both we're both visual artists. You're a visual artist. I'm a visual artist. Adam's a visual artist. We can't help but get into this shit. And um, we were talking. We we were we were reviewing some books for uh, the NWOD slash Chronicles of Darkness stuff, <coughs> and we just couldn't help but get into the art. And I actually credited. We both did really. We credited this um, interior art because we thought that he was still working for White Wolf slash Onyx Path, but it's not his. It's this guy um, Samuel Araya, I think is how you say his name, and his style is very much like Christopher Shy's. And we were and so and, and oh, and his signature is almost the same. You know how sig- <laughs> Christopher Shy has a particular signature with the like with the with the C S. This other guy is S A, and the way he does it, it looks. I mean, I could be forgiven. I could be forgiven because. They're they're quite similar anyway, so it's sort of like an, an ombudsman kind of like move here. Apologies to Samuel Araya, who uh, whose art I denied credit to. the The stuff in those New World of Darkness books is his. I I and now to go back on and be even to double down on my dickishness. I went back and I <laughs> compared it side by side to some Christopher Shy stuff. And the Christopher Shy stuff is better. This is better. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep working at it, man. But like the Shy stuff is better. Um, uh, most of the time, the original artist is, you know. I mean, you like Jim Lee. You tons of people who have tried to, well, who have copied. Often imitated, never yeah. duplicated. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That whole Jim Lee style. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> So next on my list, and I really want to get to this like before we kind of run out of time here. Let's see how we're doing on time. Oh, we're doing okay. Anyway, um, we've been talking a lot about the gothic horror art, and we just can't really, we can't really go any further until we talk about like the, what I consider to be like the godfather of all role playing artists, which is Larry Elmore, right? Yes. I mean, sure. like. I don't know if I ever would have gotten into role playing if it wasn't for Larry Elmore. I think Larry Elmore sold more fucking role playing books than like anybody else in the in the eighties, right? I mean, he he kind of like carried the um, he carried the genre forward on his shoulders for years with just those stunning paintings. I mean, my God! I mean, they 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 set the childhood mind ablaze, right? Because he has a somewhat photorealistic kind of style. But with this very, I mean, it's as a child, I was like, it's so realistic. But looking at it now, I'm like, it's not realistic. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's, it's the, the the colors are very like saturated, right? He does a great job of doing um, realistic proportionality, so everything seems pro- proportional and right there. And then his he does he's he got a gift for nature painting, so. Those Dragonlance, the Dragonlance art that he did, mm. it's like fucking ridiculous. You, you just feel like you're there, like walking through the fucking, you know, autumn leaves and all this shit, you know. Um, he had a real gift for taking that eye for nature and translating it into what a 
like a metahuman would actually look like. Like I, again, his his Dragonlance art hit of uh, the Draconians. His draconian art made me just want to freak out when I was like in sixth grade. I just was like I just couldn't get enough of these like the the dragon dudes walking around, you know. Um, the uh, red and blue box covers. I mean, yeah. Oh, did you just give a shrug? No, that I, looked I, like a little like that, that was like a meh. That was like a that was like a physical meh. No, Are you I, being for reals? I, I will say that that for me, when it comes to his stuff. The Dragonland stuff I remember quite fondly. The Dragonland stuff I just remember amazingly. Yeah. Um, as far as the the box games, I don't remember them quite as fondly. But I don't I don't know if it's just because I'm not remembering them right now, and it's been years since I've seen oh, okay, them. Okay. Okay. Remember the red box? the The image from the front of the red box was in comic books, like all throughout the late '80s and early '90s. It's this like barbarian kind of dude, and you're looking at him from behind. He's got this wide-legged stance, and he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like cutting across okay. with his sword. Okay, and there's a yeah, yeah, that big is really red dragon. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> big red dragon. Yeah, and he yeah, looks like he's yeah, gonna yeah. cut the dragon's tooth. And I always thought, oh, that looks fucking painful as shit. That looks bad, you know. And that red dragon, man, he just, oh my god. I mean, I think like, I think that your guy Todd Todd Lockwood is that right? I think he, I think he's kind of riffing on what like Larry Elmore did in the way that he made people visualize the red dragon, you know, because there's. Well, that became the image of the red dragon. I mean, that's the D&D's red dragon now. Yeah. I mean, if you, like in the, the Dragonomicon, where they have all the different dragons and what they look like, that's what the red dragon looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he made me a believer when I was like a little kid. He made me go out and buy Dragon Magazine and just, and just I mean, I would flip through Dragon Magazine and just pour over all the Elmore pictures, you know, and he would have, he was on the cover plenty back in those days. And I just, I loved, I loved that art so much. And then, as I mentioned last week, Shadowrun first and second edition, also Larry Elmore art. And I mean, still seriously, like after I put oh, that, he did, the, he did the cover for Shadowrun first edition. Yeah. Well, the same image for first and second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it was just, and it was, I mean, after we talked about it on the pod, like a bunch of people posted pictures of it on Instagram. Yeah, I saw like Jim Miller's, I think, when he has your oh. whatever he was talking about. I can talk about Shadow since it was this cover and it was that cover. Dude, it's I from the first edition one. I love that. Like the way Sally's got her like hand glowing when she's getting ready to bust out some magic and the way that dude ghost is leaning around the corner. And mm-hmm. you, and then you can see those orcs with like with the with the guns are shooting at him. There's a little there's these little like pieces of asphalt blowing up where they're missing. I mean, oh man, dude. Dude. I mean, when I was a kid and I saw that book on the shelf, I had to own it. I had to own that thing. Yeah, it's quite evocative. It's It puts you right in the scene. It sparks the imagination. Yeah. I mean, there there are so many, even in, in comics, actually, there's a lot of artists and writers who, I mean, they role-played. And one of the things they loved about it was exercising the imagination and seeing the artwork and letting it inspire them, you know, and it's it's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Who's next on your list? Um, well, you were talking about Larry Elmore. Uh, I think we should also t- uh, touch on Jeff Easley. He's the one D and D. He did the um, the covers to the hard first editions of AD and D. Oh, red with the big eye. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, he he was pretty iconic. Um, yeah, like the wizard on the front of the Dungeon Masters guide. Same guy. Yes. Oh God, I love that. I love that image. So he did really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had these like really rich kind of textures, 
and and he definitely had this shit that was like a little bit more like Wagnerian. You know what I'm saying? You know, like because he was he was the same guy who did AD and D second edition cover, right? And these guys too, like they're actually painted. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always wonder. Do you think that the Elmore stuff is oil or acrylic? What do you think? I mean, we could probably look it up on the internet, but like, hey, somebody look it up on the internet. <laughs> Let us know. Is it oil or acrylic? I bet it's oil. Probably oil. I, I think it's oil, but I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't you know? know. I don't it know. It just feels like it now that I'm picturing it in my, my head. It's hard to get those that depth of color with acrylic, at least for me, because, I mean, I suck, but that's a different story. Um, anyway, Is that all you want to say about him? Oh, um, what him and... um. What did you just say? I, my brain's gone. Him and Larry both helped D&D, D&D to grow, you know, <laughs> yeah. because they say don't judge a book by its cover, but you judge a book by its cover, Sure. you know, and, and I remember seeing these and being like, oh, that's so awesome. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everyone has seen some image and been like, oh, that is sweet. Like with Vampire. I mean, I had heard of Vampire before I played. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But um, what really drew me into that was, uh, what was his name? Josh Tinbrook. Oh, yeah. Another and, another classic vampire And the reason that drew me in was because it's so anime-influenced. And back then, you couldn't like walk into a bookstore like Barnes Noble and find anime or manga. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't mainstream. Any anime that I'd seen had been imported and it had to have the subtitles because there wasn't any Americans doing any <laughs> kind yeah. of voiceover or anything like that. There, there's like there's like a, a little bit of an exception, right? Like I think like Dragon Ball had done some crossover work here like on like Saturday morning cartoons when I was like in in like middle school or something like that or maybe but maybe. that's like that's like the oh and then and then sp- like some Speed Racer but that's like about it. Robotech but I mean, like, there's not, there was not much. I mean, your yeah. point stands. There no, was not no. much. Not the certainly not the dirt that we have. Now oh, yeah. like you can't go into a comic <laughs> store without. Well, I mean, it's insane now. It's uh, like I, I remember that in the early '90s when I was kind of discovering anime, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Back then, it was called Japan Animation. Remember that? Japan Animation. Japan Animation. And there were like two things you could get. You could get Graveyard of Fireflies. You could get, a, <laughs> a, you could get Akira. The saddest movie ever, Graveyard of Fireflies. And then, and then that's like that was like basically it. Like I mean, Ghost it was, of Shell. You can get Ghost of Shell. Ghost of Shell is a little bit later. Nineties eh, still, I remember. Like mid mid to late, right? Yeah, well, I'm talking about early. I'm talking about early, and you couldn't get anything. You couldn't fucking find anything. It's not like it is now, where you can like you're exactly what you're saying. You can go to fucking Hot Topic and get like a Goku wig. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need a Goku wig right now. You can go get you one like yeah. this second. Yeah, it was really it was underground. Like you were like you were saying, there that the first vampire art was very much underground, um, yeah. inspiring. And I was just like, oh my gosh, look at that! That's so cool. And yeah, that's kind of what pulled me to actually buy the books. Ad- agreed, right? <laughs> like the the original um, clan art for by jo- Joshua Gabriel Timbrook in the second edition book really motivated me in a strong way. And I don't think I associated it with anime at that point. Looking back on it, it's hard not to. Um, and especially the way that his art changed over the years and became much more anime influenced. So at this point where you're just like, well, you're like, oh yeah, obviously, you know? But back then, I, I, didn't, I don't know if I necessarily saw it 
Um, but clear, it you know we were, before the show came on, Amanda and I were going through some old books, and it's, it's it is pretty obvious. It's in there. It's in there. The Ventru, the Ventru splat. You can feel it right there. <laughs> it's like some corp guy or something. <laughs> um, I want since we're we were kind of on like a little bit of a fantasy bender. I just wanted to really quick mention uh, Wayne Reynolds, who I feel like has kind of um picked up the banner that was left by Larry Elmore and kind of surged forward with it after, I mean, I, I feel like he almost like found the banner like somewhere kind of like all dusty and full of moth eaten holes because there was a couple of years there when like fancy art was like, you know, and then Wayne Reynolds kind of showed up with those, um, in the, in the 3.5 days with that amazing, um, uh, Eberron art. They put him on Eberron, and he started doing those wraparound covers for Eberron. And that's where he really kind of showed his stuff. And um, they did, he did a little bit of work for D&D Minis, I remember. But uh, those Eberron covers, I mean, if you haven't looked at them, take, it, take a second and look. Each one tells a story, and they're, like, action-packed. They're, like, so full of movement, and they're so full of little characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could, like... Like he draws, there's the, the, my favorite one is the Sharon City of Towers cover where it's like the flying sky battle, you know, where they're like they have floating boats and they're like jumping off of them to fight each other, and um, they're being attacked by gnolls, right? Well, like a gnolls on like hoverboards or something, and um, the gnolls all look a little bit different, you know. They're not just like faceless goons. You can tell that the gnolls themselves are characters. And so I got really into the Wayne Reynolds art back then. And then um, as 3.5 was like winding down, the the Paizo guys got him, and he's essentially been the flagship artist for, for Paizo for years now. He's carried he's carried 3.5 or the 3.75 era forward with the Pathfinder art, the interior character splats, and the covers of almost every major book that they release. He's even found some time to do some... Um, uh, adventure path stuff. I mean, and his, I think, and he even on the current Pathfinder core book, he has his take on the Larry Elmore battle with the Red Dragon, and uh, and it's great. I think it's up there with the greats, you know, with the greats. Um, who else you got? Uh, let's see. Um, Guy Davis. Who, yes. Who did vampire art? Um. His stuff was was gritty's not quite the right word. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, but it was really it was good. I liked it a lot, but the the thing that got me about it was how his pictures told stories too. Oh yeah. Um, the the concepts behind them mm-hmm. were. It wasn't like, oh, you know, there's just this cool vampire guy standing there. You know, I mean, everything told a story that he did. And uh, he actually went on to do a whole bunch of stuff in storytelling, <laughs> which is, is kind of funny. Um, he's done storyboards for movies. Mm. And he's worked on conceptual stuff uh, like Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Crimson Peak. Um, just these gorgeous movies. Uh, he's done some stuff in comics. He's done some Hellblazer stuff. 
um, some Hellboy. He worked on Hellboy 2 also. Uh, you see, I didn't know that. That is so great because I was like given, you know, you give Guillermo del Toro so much like um, credit for that stuff, for the visual direction of those movies. But I mean, he really is a genius, Guy Davis. His I have a tough time differentiating between him and, and Vince Locke, and because the reason for this is that they both did a lot of work for Vampire the Masquerade in the, in the late second edition, early third edition era, and uh, they teamed up and collaborated on like one of my favorite second edition books, Ghoul's Fatal Addiction. It is like I mean, the, they are responsible for the entirety of the art in the entire book. Guy Davis and Vince Locke, mostly working together, but some a little bit solo pieces here and there, and um. The way I, I I see exactly what you're saying, it's like it's like he's like they neither one of them was like fascinated with what you'd call like like classical beauty, you know, like they there are they have beautiful characters, but it seems like both of them are um, intrigued by like the strangeness and the proportion, right? Like their characters look strange and they're kind of like odd looking people, which makes them despite the fact that they're very fantastical, seem almost more realistic, right, than being an idealized um, version of, a, of, 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 like, kind of, like, you know, waspy, like, white girl <laughs> beauty, you know? And they're both so so good with organic material, like um, weird tentacles and, like, strange flesh pockets and stuff that like like the um the picture of the war ghoul in ghoul's fatal addiction is like i mean it's mind-bending i love it to me it's it, it's it's so much what the zimacy is about um and the in the tremere the tremere ghoul in ghoul's fatal addiction where it's like the the kid or whatever is like carrying the alligator you know and just like just like you said you're saying the storytelling storytelling it's fucking fucking brilliant work i I'm glad that you brought him up. Honestly, them, him, them. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, before we go, I just wanted to give one last like kind of like mention. And it's not like uh I don't know if in the realms of um vampire slash white wolf people think of this guy a lot, which I think is really sad. He never really developed the kind of cult that a lot of these other vampire um artists did. I don't think he ever made the transition into any other visual storytelling media, but um, John Cobb did such phenomenal work for both Vampire the Masquerade and Wraith of the Oblivion. I mean, it's a pen and ink style that is like just very intense, very organic, kind of very um, like sort of impressionistic, I guess, maybe a little bit. Um Specifically, if you're interested in taking a look at any of his work, look at uh, the first edition fucking uh, adventure book, Ashes to Ashes. It's got these little square pictures that he did. And, oh, man, they just take you back to the the 90s kind of zine culture. Um, Just like punk culture. It's just super hard blacks and super hard whites and just, just there's no there's no middle ground in that work. It's is his when I was a kid, he did the he did the border, you know, for like the, the Wraith, the Oblivion books. You know, and you guys know how how infatuated with that I was because I painted it on over the over the arch of this door in my room. Like it was painted white and then I my my parents were very tolerant individuals and they allowed me to go up there with acrylic paint and paint this thing on it's still there they my parents really like it too 
<laughs> my parents are big John Cobb fans, as it turns out. <laughs> that was kind of cool. But, um, I mean, he's just been a huge, huge influence on my art ever since, ever since about the same time I discovered um, Bradstreet, I discovered John Cobb. But I never really knew his name until recently because he, he never promoted himself in that kind of way to, like, to create the cult in the way that, um, in, uh, that, uh, Bradstreet did and they never marketed his art the way they marketed the Bradstreet art which I think is like too bad because I look through ashes to ashes and I see page after page where I'm like if this was on a shirt I'd buy it if this was on a shirt I'd buy it if this was on a shirt I'd buy it so John Cobb if you're out there homie and you're listening to this man um a I love you (laughs) b put some of that shit on some shirts (laughs) so that I can buy it well you guys it's really cool how many of these RPG artists have gone on to do other things. How oh, so? Elaborate. Well, just like like Guy Davis going on to do movies. Oh, and a yeah. whole bunch of them, like Leif Jones. Um, he's done comics. Um, he did one with David Mack, my favorite comic <laughs> what, what did he do with David Mack? Oddly enough, because he actually did one where David Mack wrote it and Leif Jones did the art. Oh, wow. Uh, it was a, a seven- they did a, a seven comic, and, and each issue was one of the sins. Yeah. And uh, they did Lust. Oh, wow. Oh, man. But I bet that's good because Leif Jones is amazing. And yeah, his, his his art is awesome. But, yeah, it was a really good issue. This was, like, years and years ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, But, like, Bradstreet, he went and does comics, and I, I just – it warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, you want to hope that there's, like, a life after role-playing, right? Or Because, I mean th- – the thing that all the developers are always saying, it's hard to make money in that, in that field. So, you know, you always hope that these guys go on to be able to apply their trade professionally. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll look up old John Cobb and see what he's up to. See if he's, you might be surprised what he's been into. Yeah, maybe that'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be a pleasant surprise. He might have a website that you can buy those shirts. He also drastically changed his style. Yeah. (laughs) He might've been like, fuck art. I'm doing accounting from here on out. (laughs) You know, leave Jones was actually like, um, selling a bunch of his shit on ebay like not too long ago it was like he was like not like 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 um like original pieces that had been in vampire books he was just oh, selling wow. yeah oh, i know wow. right like like and, and and the starting bids i was looking at them and the starting bids were definitely like ooh, i could afford this but i didn't have any money at the time so i guess like i really couldn't <laughs> and then i was kind of worried as to where they would go but like there's that great image in um the vampire of the dark ages um first edition core book where it's these two dudes who are standing up on a roof right oh and, yeah, like, yeah one of them is a thief and then there's like the town guards guy who's like shooting this crossbow and the arrows like yep. moving towards you in perspective. He was selling that. That was like for sale. The really? original. Yeah, seriously. That's a like, sweet image. The starting bid was like eighty bucks. And I was like, Ugh. I know, do you right? Know, do you know what it closed at? No, I don't. I oh don't. man. I'm curious how much it closed at. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because I would love to have that hanging on my wall, you know? Be like, yeah, this is a leap jones. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious what something like that would close for. Because I've seen like I've seen like original magic art, right? And what some of that stuff like closes for, but like or at least like get sold for, but um, I'm curious about something like Leaf Jones, like Dark Ages art. Where would that where would that end up? You know? No, I know, I know. And he had like, cause he did a bunch of um, interior art for like some clan books and stuff. I think clan book Gangrel. I think he did a lot of that work. I think yeah. I think actually all the second edition clan books. He did the he did the the characters, right? The yeah, 
I think he did. I don't know if it was all of them, but he did do the character stuff. Yeah, the prespect characters, mm-hmm. and some of them were so good. Some of them were super great. But you He's know what? That reminds me. Oh, you you mean you mean the uh, the templates in the back, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he did. Because that, that reminds <laughs> me of some some fucking John Cobb art I forgot about. He's uh-huh. the one who did the pre the prespect templates in the back of Plan Book Zimacy. One of oh, my really? like, yeah. Yeah, like he had these great ones, Those like the the body, the body piercer, and mm-hmm. the and the the occult, the occult hunter or whatever. And you're like, oh fuck yeah, like it's so grim. I, lo- I loved how disproportionate like his um the limbs and stuff were. If you look at some of my old art from my high school art portfolio, there is some like John Cobb ripoffs in there, like a big time, like a, like a big time. I submitted this thing for my portfolio that was like obviously a pn to him. <sighs> anyway, um, thank you both for coming down. Amanda, it was a pleasure having you on again, as always. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I guess Ben and I are going to catch up with you guys again next week. Um, go ahead. No, go. no, I'm just looking forward to it. It's always fun. Indeed, indeed. All right, thanks again for listening. Have a Keep great night. Drawing. Yeah, draw away, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs>